Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Thursday Drive, another beautiful spring day, temperature touching 80 today. That is, uh, that is great. I mean, it, it really feels like spring, uh, and, and the pollen is not terrible. Uh, we're going to get a little rain sometime here over the next couple of days. Hopefully, that'll wash that out. Hopefully, it doesn't wash out baseball. And uh, speaking of baseball, we'll let you know that we, we have some tickets for tomorrow's game. We gave away our tickets for tonight's opener against the Georgia Bulldogs. It's the home conference opener tonight. And uh, they will play, so they play Thursday, Friday, and uh, Saturday. We have some tickets for tomorrow's 6 o'clock first pitch. So if you're interested in Auburn, Georgia for Friday night, uh, just call in on the Kia of Auburn hotline. And that number is 334-321-1390. And we'll give those away. I'd like to go ahead and go ahead and get that taken care of here early. Uh, and speaking of Kia of Auburn, they are the sponsor of our number one of the drive, Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. So uh, we've got those things taken care of. Um, love for you to join in. Bill, Dan is uh, Dan's in the building. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's done making deals. Uh, that's what he was doing throughout the whole show yesterday. Uh, oh, but, yeah. but, but he'll be in here, and that's the, that voice you heard right there, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, knowing that I did. I was one of the ones who was making those deals with Dan. Yeah, see, that, that's, finally, finally that's got sort of like, poster. I guess, the passing of the torch. People always have said, I'm the one that's making those last-minute deals yeah. that everybody's going, what's going on? Well, so it was, yeah. I mean, Dan was Dan was trying to trying to play me like a fiddle with with some, with other interests from other guys. So I had to I had to I had to throw the blockbuster at him at the last at the last oh, moment. You, you did, you did, and, and we'll we'll see we'll see how that one uh, turns out. Oh yeah. All right. So we we won't spend too much time talking about our fa- our fantasy league. Yeah, I mean, half hour. It does. Most. It bothered. No, no. I'm not going to do that. I mean, I've heard way too many shows where people just want to like. Why would the public? Right. Care yeah, about yeah, yeah. somebody else's fantasy. Oh, no, league. I, I think people would care about your insight into the fantasy prospect. True, as long as you don't start going. I did that. You exactly. know that, that's the no, thing. No, I think how, yeah. how you. Oh, I, I have I have some ideas of how to uh, how to put together teams right. and and you have and, no, and contend. You and have things there, like there are that. there are players you like <laughs> going into this season. Oh, yeah. maybe players that you're cold on compared to the consensus from like the fantasy community. But no, I yeah, I had to fight Dan for like a season on Austin Riley. Well, one of the one Dan of the, kept asking everybody who who he could think of. Don't you think the Braves need to get a third baseman? Yeah, turn, and I turn, kept going no. When when Austin Riley was more potential <laughs> than like what he'd shown on, when the, he still uh, couldn't hit a man. Ball. I was so Bill, I, Bill I, was I liked what I saw. Moment. Yeah, Bill I liked what I saw. saw Austin Riley. To to his credit, from the moment Bill saw Austin Riley, he was like that guy's, you know, the, the total package. But no, hearing like, oh, here's here's how my fantasy team did this. Weekend. No strategies. That's, that's, yeah. Strategies that's in fantasy sports are a different thing than you know bragging and, or complaining about NL, how how NL poorly Young, or good things are going. NL Cy Young Award winner this year. If you had to put all your chips on somebody, who was Bill Cameron's pick? 
See, that's fantasy yeah, baseball. Yeah, that's that, that is. That's, that's a good one. Um, I don't know. There are quite a, there are quite a few candidates. You know, I look. I look at the Dodgers. I look at the Mets. I look at the Braves. What about the reigning champ? What about Sandy down in Miami? Um, yeah, it's just the Marlins or it, the Marlins, and it's hard and it's hard to repeat, especially yeah, when and, you're and not it, on a team and, where and, you're going to be he's, super he's, contending. He's likely to be a great pitcher who puts up great numbers except for wins, and it's tough if you continually, you know, if you're not among the league leaders. Zach, Zach Wheeler's been one of the best pitchers <coughs> in the National League over the last few years. I would not. Yeah, one of the top fifteen. No, I mean, no, he's. I think he's finished in the top five for the Cy Young two of the last two uh, of the last three seasons. Yeah, so he's, he's been. He's, I think he's a top ten right now. Bro, that's probably true. The Cy Young's let's not the be all in. Let's all. talk Max Freed's <coughs> chances to win Cy Young. I think. Yeah, I, I think Freed. I think Freed's one of those ones you have to. You know, like, and then I mean, heck, if Spencer Strider can keep doing this with two pitches, it's going to yeah. be really impressive to see the, the Mets what he does. Scherzer and Verlander. And Verlander. That's yeah. one of those things with with the Mets. It's like like with a lot of things of the Mets. Um, you know, when it comes to like team awards, you just start to think about like, or Cy Young. Like, are those guys going to like take stuff away from each other? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, just right. the fact that they're both going to be really really good. And then whereas the, whereas a guy like like a Corbin Burns or somebody like that, where you're the clear cut ace on a mm-hmm. on, on a good team will be different. Well, I would think the Padres too have so you know the, the lineup is so potent that any one Padres oh, yeah, yeah, pitcher, yeah. Musgrove or Darvish Snell. or Snell, could have the kind of season that would get you in Cy Young discussion as well. So no, it's a it's a fun mix of a you know, and we we ignore the American League entirely. But it's a well, fun you mix asked of about the, you asked about the well, National that's the League. The only one I, I mean, care about now. So yeah. Still I mean, getting used to that. You still, you still got, you still got uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw with the Dodgers, um, and and their their opening day starter is uh, Julio Urias, who, who's also right there. He's with pretty the, good. Yeah, he's he's yeah. pretty good as well. It's pretty good. All right, little, yeah. baseball, little baseball. Yeah, well, starts. Major League Baseball season starts a week yep. from today, and you've got baseball tickets to give away. That's right. right. Mention we have baseball tickets for Auburn and Georgia tonight. The opening game of that three-game series. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot of things. We, we can get in some baseball some a little later, but I mean, uh, we're, we're on the um, you know we're, we're less than a couple of hours away from the first game of the Sweet Sixteen tonight, and uh, we also are uh, you know in the middle of spring football practice for Auburn. Had an opportunity today to hear from a couple of coaches, had players yesterday, got to see some of practice Monday and hear from Hugh Freeze on Monday. Auburn with a uh, big physical practice tomorrow. This may be uh, as close to a full scrimmage, uh, I think, as, the, as they may have until until A-Day. So we can talk about that as well. We, so, talked to, we talked to Marcus Davis earlier today, Auburn's new receivers coach, and a word he kept using was competition. Right, there's just there's a lot of at, at every spot at receiver there's competition, and I get the feeling he's not the only coach echoing that with with a couple of scrimmages on the horizon. No, Jeremy Garrett was talking about it, but uh, he was talking about he's going to play a lot of a lot of players there on the defensive line. He said uh, all he's asking his players is show me a reason to play you so he can play more. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of playing time up for grabs for uh, for for the guys who are battling. In, in the next uh, in the next few weeks, and and we got to talk to uh, we got to talk to a couple of the coaches, like we were just saying about that. And if if there's time, uh, we might run that. But there's a, there's a lot to talk about. We love having Justin Ferguson in the house. Yeah, Justin, talk a little bit about uh, everything going on there at the Observer. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty busy week, obviously, with uh, the end of basketball season, a lot of spring football uh, going on. 
Go to auburnobserver.com, check it out. We still are doing uh, our our spring sale, so $40 for your first year of the Observer if you sign up uh, between now and the end of A-Day weekend. And, yeah, a whole lot of uh, – I wrote newsletter today on uh, on Jeffrey Imbaugh, uh, who I'm sure we'll talk about uh, here on, on today's show because he's been a popular topic the last couple of days. Um, you know, I'm going to start saying the, like, Z-E. I'm going to start saying it like Zuh in, in honor of Jeffrey Umba whenever I use because I, I love I love the way that guy talks. He's got such a cool perspective on on not just football, but I mm-hmm. mean, and he, and he cites his own live you know the experience of I mean to to have to have lived in uh, re- From, yeah, relati- relatively remote part of Africa, yeah, in Gabon to France mm-hmm. to Central Alabama, where you're an SEC college football player with the chance to play more football. After this, I mean, it's it's been yeah. it's been a pretty wild ride for for Jeffrey Emba, and he he's enjoying it. It's pretty infectious. That energy It was great to talk to him. Yeah, and then uh, tomorrow, bringing back the uh, the mailbag, a lot of basketball in the mailbag, a lot of talk about the roster moving forward for Auburn transfer portal, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll have a podcast as well, talking spring football. Um, so there's a ton of stuff. AuburnObserver.com, go sign up. Everything we do gets sent to your email inbox, and there's at least one or two things pretty much coming out every weekday, even here in the quote unquote off season. Because I mean, there's there's so much to talk about, mm-hmm. so much so much to write and, and and discuss right now. Yeah, let's see. I mean, uh, you know, everyone keeping an eye on on the basketball transfer portal as more and more players enter the portal. Auburn's had a couple of football players announce that they are going into the portal. A couple of linebackers. And I think it's interesting after Hugh Freeze on Monday, uh, I asked him about the linebackers, and and he said he's really been pleased uh, that the linebacker room he is better than he thought it would be, and he likes what he's seen. But in the last uh, in the last two days, uh, Cameron Brown and Desmond Tisdall both uh, announcing that they're moving on. Bill, do you do you have your depth chart? Yeah. You? Okay. So so when. When Hugh Freeze arrived, and Justin, I'd you know, j- jump in on this as well. Mm-hmm. When Hugh Freeze arrived, that was one of the positions they really attacked hard in the portal to bring talent in, right? Auburn's added since since November. Auburn's added two linebackers, two transfers, yeah, and Austin Keys and Demario Tolan. And yeah, they've also it. did they they bring in a, did they sign anyone out of high school? Nope. Is that okay? So, nope. so they've added two who look like they're g- going to factor in. Mm-hmm. We wondered if there would be. Defections if the other shoe would drop from adding two players in the mm-hmm. portal. Now it seems like Auburn is, is going to have some players uh, looking to exit. Yeah, Cameron, Cameron Brown being the one yesterday. I mean, and he came around a guy who um, he's he's he, he'll be a grad. I mean, he's about to graduate. Yeah, he, he graduates in the spring. He'll he'll go he'll go somewhere. It's just a guy that you know, obviously his older brother uh, was so you know such a star at Auburn. Um, they got to play together for a year, which was really, really cool. And Auburn took a chance on him because Cameron Brown, uh, Cameron Brown was not a big-name guy coming out of high school. Had a lot of production to his name uh, at Lanier uh, in, in in Georgia. But, um, you know, guy, special teams guy, and, and, you know, has an opportunity probably to go play some, play some legit minutes uh, somewhere else. And it's a pretty crowded inside linebacker room right now. Uh, and you're only, you, know, you only play about two, you only play two at a time. Uh, in this defense, and you know, you might only play five or six all told in a rotation. So there's going to be some defections, and and um, you know, Cam Brown, um, you know, got got what he wanted out of Auburn for sure. Got to play with his brother, got a degree, or is about to get a degree, and then moving on to the. That's, that's what the portal's for, especially when you know that you know you bring in 25 guys a year around around that in high school for a full class. 
you know, not everybody's going to hang around. That's just kind of how 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 the way way it goes now with the with the portal. Desmond Tisdall, a similar type situation. I mean, he's a senior as well, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't know. I, I don't know if he is about to graduate or whatever, but he very well could be. But he has never transferred before, so if he wants to continue playing, he'd be he'd be eligible immediately somewhere else. And uh, you know, with with the the way that some of the guys have stepped up, we've heard good things about Robert Woodyard this spring. Um, and, and Auburn already had, you know, Cam Riley and, and um, West Steiner and Eugene Asante back along with the other guys. Uh, it's, it's a much, apparently a much better situation. It'll be interesting. I mean, we thought that Auburn might look for another linebacker in the portal, uh, in the, in the upcoming portal that opens May 1st, but, um, maybe not now. Justin, what position battles are you watching closely over the next couple of weeks as far as stuff, stuff we might hear more about coming out of the scrimmages or places where there could be a player, uh, who, uh, who, who emerges as a serious contender for playing time? Really interested in, in the guard spot that's not Jeremiah Wright. Um, just because we've seen, you know, Tate Johnson was, was there and he has his elbow injury. He's out. We saw, uh, you know, obviously Connor Lou uh, with the first team on Monday, which I thought was pretty significant. We've seen Cam Stutz there. We've seen, you know, just a number of guys. So, like, what Auburn does at that guard spot is interesting. And, and you know, Hugh Freeze has said um, that, you know, they might be interested in getting another guy from from the portal on the offensive line if, if, they, if they feel like they need to. So, I do think just how comfortable they feel about those guard spots um, coming out of, uh, out of spring ball will be very interesting to, to keep an eye on. And yeah, I think the other one is just kind of how things are kind of shaking out, um, you know, at wide receiver and on, and on the defensive line. Those are, those are the position groups that have kind of the most interchangeability. They have, uh, you know, a combination of guys who've come back, some new guys, some younger guys who are trying to break out under a new staff. So, I mean, all, all those, all you know, those positions really catch my eye outside of the obvious quarterback one of course. Yeah, receiver's the one I can't quite get a handle on. Who, no, it's hard. I mean, it's hard, Camden yeah. Brown, we've heard. I mm-hmm. uh, heard mixed reports on Nick Bardner and Landon King and I think some of the other Johnson, guys. I think Javarius Johnson, you feel pretty good about being a, a, a uh, starter or I, one I of your so. key guys. Yeah, again. main guy. Right. Yeah, and Coy Moore. I mean, I think Coy Moore being a guy that was your number two receiver last season makes a ton of sense as, as, as one. But, yeah. Cameron Brown, Nick Marner, Landon King, Chick Dawson. I mean, there's there's a number of guys mm-hmm. that need to take that step forward. And then Malcolm Johnson's been, you know, he's yeah, he's, he's been out with the was it a collarbone collarbone injury? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you, Jay Fair, Jay Omar, Fair, and Amari Kelly. Like, I mean, that's yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a lot of young guys in that room, and they're I think they're looking to see some separation outside of Cameron Brown. Really, uh, you don't we haven't really heard a ton outside, you know. The veterans that you have coming back, you you kind of expect, and then of course Marner as a transfer in, you you would think would would be a factor early on. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. All right, we gave away one pair of the uh, tickets for tomorrow night Auburn Georgia baseball, and we have a couple of more pairs. If you'd like to, then just uh, give us a call three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill, Dan, Justin Ferguson, Drew at the controls. And again, we've got uh, Auburn, Georgia baseball tickets for tomorrow to give away. Uh, if you'd like a pair, just give us a call, 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise. You want to go, you want to go basketball? I think we ought to go basketball. You, I mean, you want to go upcoming, like tonight and let's tomorrow? Not, I think, I think we ought to, I think we ought to talk about Auburn. Then we'll talk about the, uh, the, the Sweet 16 All and right. beyond. J- Justin, you were at the first two games of the, or you were at the, the first, last yeah, two games. Yeah, you were at the, for Auburn. Those are the first two games, too. <laughs> Auburn's first two games in the NCAA tournament this weekend. Um, and uh, w- w- let's, I guess we can start with, I mean, Houston feels like it was a while ago, but it was just just a week, actually, since uh, since Auburn. We were about to tip off, right? We were leading, I think we were waiting for, uh, we spent last Thursday, you were there. Yeah. And we, we spent last Thursday, yeah, building, building up the tip off of Auburn and Iowa and then, and then Auburn Houston on Saturday. What, what do you, um, what what stands out looking back on Auburn's win over Iowa, and, and how Auburn got to the uh, to, to the round of thirty two? If you can, uh, again, it's been a lot. A lot's happened since. I Auburn mean, we talked we talked between the Iowa Houston game. Oh yeah, we had John, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah we so had we, got, we got your we got your thoughts on that. One. All right, so let's get to Auburn Houston. Yeah, painful as it is, let's get to Auburn Houston. I, I thought it was a very fitting way for this season to end for Auburn yep. because you saw their best and their worst at the same time. And for a team that is probably the best of the best and maybe the worst of the worst. As offensively inconsistent as this team was all year, I think you saw that in the in that game against Houston. I think Houston was not playing defense to their normal standard. And even, you know, uh, Kelvin Sampson said as much after the game. In the first half, and Auburn was doing some of the stuff they had done a better job of late in the season – Specifically, hitting three pointers, um, you know, doing a better job of spreading the ball around and attacking. They they did a good job. Hey, Auburn also in the first half after that first possession, uh, Auburn was much better on the backboards. They they out rebounded Houston in the first half. Yeah, exactly. They did a lot of the stuff that they had to do late in games this season and in the games where they won, um, the big games they won. They, they did that. Now, in the second half, Houston looked like a number one seed. Houston looked like one of the best teams in the country. They had a relentless defense. Their length and their size and their athleticism, teams like that have just been a problem for Auburn this year. You had Arkansas and Texas A&M and Kentucky and, and Alabama. And so when Houston really cranked it up on that end and was playing a lot more sound on that end of the floor, um, that really gave Auburn a problem. On the, offensive, on the defensive side, again, Teams with good creative guards, you can go all the way go back to that first Georgia loss. You can go back to the Memphis loss. You can go back to a lot of the negative uh, performances from Auburn this season on the defense end of the floor. Marcus Sasser started playing really, really well, uh, and of course, Mark. He, yeah, yeah, Mark. Oh he, my goodness, he played, played he, ex- he was unbelievable, extremely well. Houston's ability to hit shots, even when your defense has forced them into what would be a favorable situation against most teams. Yep. Like that's one of the reasons there, and that was something that Auburn, that and that really was something are. Auburn couldn't counter, right? You know, Auburn, Auburn was missing shots on the other end, contested and uncontested. They didn't have a Jabari Smith this year that can go get hit, hit the tougher shots. I'll, I'll throw another one. They didn't have a Samir Dowdy who could hit kind of those create his own looks and hit those mm-hmm. tough shots in in succession this season. And so when that started. To kind of pile up on them, it just it just went out of hand. So like, Houston was a terrible matchup for Auburn with their size and their length and their athleticism. Auburn was going to need to play their best basketball of the season, and have Houston not play up to their 
peak standard in order to have a chance to win that game. In the first half, that's what happened. In the second half, Houston got back to looking like Houston, and it was just a bad matchup, especially for a backcourt that A, is small, and B, isn't consistent enough shooting the ball and scoring the ball to make up for the fact that they're as small as they are. You can look at like a like the like the Final Four team. Jared Harper and Bryce Brown's not a really big backcourt, right? You know, in Malik Dunbar. And no, guys but, but Bryce was an elite shooter, and Jared could as well. So exactly, so you can um, make you can make up for it. In this one, uh, matchup was really tough. You have two, you have an NBA guard, Marcus Sasser, and a couple other really really high level guards making shots, hitting shots, and also just cranking up the pressure with their and, length and athleticism. Well, I was going to say, Jer- Jarris Walker and, and uh, the, the Houston inside game just dominated the second half. I mean, it started, first possession of the second half, they got four shots. And they end up out-rebounding Auburn. I said Auburn out-rebounded them in the first half. Yeah, They out-rebounded Auburn 26-13 to 13 in the Double second half. Up. They kept getting second shots, and Auburn could only get Me- one when they got one. And, and meanwhile, Houston was completely content to make Auburn have to play the game from the free throw line, specifically with Janai Broom and, and others, and just say, hey, we're good at giving you these guys fouls as long as your your guards aren't hitting threes, as long as your guards aren't getting momentum. And a stop-start, you know, not very many fast-break opportunities, not many transition uh, possessions, a stop-start game favors Houston because – Houston's one of the most efficient offenses and defenses in college basketball. On a per-possession basis, they play a slower and methodical pace because they know they're better than you when you have to play the half-court game. So in a system where you're fouling a lot and it's a lot of stop-start and you know Auburn's not in rhythm and, and not in a flow, how, many, how much of a rhythm offense was this this season for Auburn? When they were clicking, they were clicking. When they were not, it could get really rough. So, I mean, Houston had a really good game plan. Send mm-hmm. to the free-throw line. Keep, keep, the game, keep the game physical and, and, and disjointed. And it really got got to Auburn that way. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and John. Hey John. Hey Bill, I got a question for you. Sure. How long have you been covering Auburn? Uh, let's see. What year is this? Um, Forty plus years. Okay, so you can answer my question then. I was uh, feeling nostalgic just watching some uh, old uh, Auburn basketball games when I was like uh, 13, 14, and 15 years old. Uh-huh. Watching the uh, 85 Auburn Alabama SEC Championship uh, tournament game, Auburn won in overtime. And that was the Mike win. But what caught my attention was uh, Sonny Smith had announced his uh, resignation. I right. forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Remember, that, it, and, uh, <coughs> it? he didn't. He wasn't sure the the support that he had uh, from from the fan base from uh, from everything, and it, and it, it sort of felt like he was stuck. You know, it, it's been interesting to talk to Sonny about that. And then Auburn went on that uh, magical run, and and it, it was great the the welcome back when Auburn came back from the tournament and everything like that. Uh, Sonny didn't really want to leave Auburn. He just wasn't sure that the things were going to work out, and that's that's one of the reasons he had. Uh, he, he, you know, announced his uh, resignation. Yeah, I, I, I completely forgot about that. And, uh, I was, he said he was going to the oil business or something, so that it's like a support. But, uh, yeah, and the, uh, the run they went on with the, the teams that they beat uh, up to losing to Louisville was pretty uh, murderer's row between the UNLV and uh, a bunch of blue bloods. It was a uh, reminiscent of the uh, 19. Very much so, Absolutely. Yeah, and had and had a had a great shot against Louisville. 
Yeah, I forgot we'd actually had beaten uh, UNLV. I remember playing one time and they ran us out of the gym in Auburn, I call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That was on a Sunday, if, I'm, if I remember right. And here we're going to be a three-point shot come in. Was that 86, 87? <sighs> Somewhere along in there, uh, mid to late 80s, yeah. Because yeah, the, uh, the uh, 85, 86 games. Right after Chuck. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, you know, I was, just, I was just watching a tournament game from 90. I was just watching highlights of, uh, of an LMU game from, uh, from, from the year... Uh, the, the year they went to the Elite Eight, and there was a three-point shot then. So I'm thinking, mm-hmm. thinking '87, it was really, yeah, somewhere late '80s yeah. might have been the first year of the uh, of, of the of the three. All right. Well, I appreciate y'all's time. I thank thank you for the information. Oh yeah, good hearing from you, John. Appreciate the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety eighty six eighty seven was the first okay. season with with uh, with the three-point line. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I said. Right, right after right after Chuck, person who was uh, one of one of Auburn's best. Long range shooters ever. Um, I mean, so, or, or maybe right there, it's, it was about at the end of that. But, uh, but yeah, no kidding. All right, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Love to hear from you. We'll, uh, uh, we'll continue, obviously, looking at the Sweet 16, which gets underway tonight. But anything you want to talk about sports wise, come on in and join us here on the Thursday Drive. Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 25 minutes away from 5 o'clock here on this Thursday afternoon. Extra spicy commercial break that time. Oh, yeah, always. Uh, we have one more pair of tickets to see Auburn and Georgia tomorrow night. Uh, they're yours for the asking, 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise? So so we've got the the Sweet 16. I want to get some adjustments. Yes, you thoughts. want to pivot to that? Well, we we could, but I do love I do love the uh yeah, I do I do love to, I do love to pivot. But don't don't lift the foot though. That's nope, I'm absolutely right. keep that pivot foot down. That, but um That's a turnover. But let's let's talk a little bit more about if, the future. If they see it. I, w- I want to get Justin's thoughts on the future for this Auburn basketball team mm-hmm. because there are players with decisions to make, guys who have played a couple years of college basketball who may want to start a professional career somewhere while there's a lot of time in front of them. At the same time, um, you know, we were talking with Justin uh, with Jason Caldwell yesterday. 
the economics have changed a little bit in college yeah. basketball, even from a couple years ago where it was widespread for players to leave with yeah. a lot of eligibility left on the table. Now you're not going to see very many borderline guys go pro now. I mean, I think if you were in a scenario where, you know, if they're at a place where they can, where it's worth their while to stay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I, I always go back to Jared Harper. Jared Harper doesn't get drafted, you know, ends up playing professional ball and does it really well, but does he stay for one more year at Auburn if NIL exists? Probably. Jason's, you know? fa- Jason's fairly certain that Sharif Cooper would have continued to play college basketball with a more Could, specific could you? Could Scoot you Henderson been, probably, yeah, would you have probably been could here. have been competitive with, with Landon Scoot Henderson for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's – I think you're going to get more than likely now it's going to be instead of are you going to go pro or are you going to stay, it's are you going to stay here or are you going to go into the portal. That's the more – that's the mm-hmm. more – you know, uh, that's the bigger question usually for guys now. And, I mean, there's going to be some sort of attrition on this roster this offseason. There always is. Last year you had Devin Cambridge. A few years ago you had a lot of transfers out. You can go all the way back to, um, you know, Davion Mitchell going to Baylor. I mean, like, that. it's just a fact of life in college basketball. Um, it's not a sign that things are bad or guys are getting fired or run off or anything like that. It's just, it's just the way it is. And I think Auburn – so I've been very active in reaching out to a lot of guys in the transfer portal because you got to jump on it quick. The other thing for them is that they've got a couple of spots to play with before anybody makes their decision, which I think is also helping them be flexible. Of the players that were rotational pieces this year, could you see one of them going into the portal to go play? Like sure, some, I'm not gonna. I'm not yeah, gonna. I'm so. gonna name guys specifically, but yeah, no, I, I think that's. I think there could be a Devin Cambridge on this team. I think there could be a Jamal Johnson or a uh, um, Javon Franklin, Turbo Jones, guys like I mean, that. Just that just happens, you know. It happens if you like. Oh, I'm not gonna be a starter here, but I could go be a starter at this school. Well, let me go ahead and jump in. A lot, of, a lot of those guys left for playing time reasons, so you know what I mean. Absolutely, I guess, I guess oh, this yeah. would be like of the players getting playing time. It, it's you know it's tough to right. Unless, unless it, it's guys who are coming off the bench. Yeah. Guys who are coming off the bench. Well, Davion didn't leave because he wasn't going to get playing time, did he? He was. Davion he left because he wasn't going to get playing time right now. Yeah, like I guess he, as much. He wasn't yeah. going to be a starter. Yeah, he wasn't going to get Davion, 30 minutes. Davion left after Jared Harper came back, right? Wasn't that yes. Yes. the, yes. the yes. timeline That's right. there? So, I mean, there would be there would be something to... And Baylor pitched for, the idea of he would be their point He would be their point guard. And, like, right. and they were right. Sit, sit yeah. out a year, right? Sit yeah. out a year, and then he would be the, he'd step in and be the point guard and, and then go play in the NBA. And sure enough, that is... What, that and happened. by the way, and, and that's a pretty good team he's on. In Sacramento. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've had a great year. Yeah, the, the un- unbelievable season. Um, but yeah, so for Auburn, it's just. So what is this team missing? If, if this, what is if, this team missing? Yeah, well, I, and here's here's the question: If if everyone who could come back does come back, yeah, with you know everybody, everybody sure. with eligibility remaining decides to return, right? Auburn would have two spots, a couple of spots. They mm-hmm. would have an incoming freshman. Mm-hmm. What what would what do you imagine the priorities would be for Bruce Pearl? I don't think I, I don't think we have to speculate. I think we can look at who they've they've gone after in the transfer portal, and with the exception of the kid from Northern Arizona who just got who who Auburn contacted, who was a forty percent three point shooter this past season um, at, at Northern, used to play Virginia Tech. Cone is his last name. I'm blanking on his first name off the top of my head. Um, outside of those guys, outside of him, all of the guards Auburn has gotten has gone after in the portal have been six three or taller. And they've pretty much all of them have been pretty good three point shooters. And it's like size, length, shooting ability. That is what you need on this team. I let's put it this way. This Auburn basketball team is not like this is not a situation where you look at this roster and say, tear it all down and start over. Like 
they were statistically a top 30 basketball team this year. They lost a lot of close games. They just got to find the ways to get over the hump, right? And, and, and their big thing was their shooting and their offensive efficiency. As two of the lower offensive, as one of the, one of the more, uh, least efficient, one of the, one of the more least efficient, one of the least efficient, uh, teams of the Pearl era on the offensive end of the floor. And, They've got to get a guy. They've got to get guys who can help them become a better offense, just a better shooting team. Um, and I think that's going to come through what they get at the two and the three. And we'll see. I mean, you can look at the point guard situation. Here, here's the here's the thing. You've got Wendell Green Jr. You've got Trey Donaldson. You got Aiden Holloway coming in. You know, especially Donaldson and and I think Aiden Holloway could play off ball if if you need to. But like. They need the two and the three to take that step forward. I think uh, with 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 they with their offense, um, especially the two, especially mm-hmm. the two. Oh yeah, because you just didn't get a whole lot of it from this year on the consistent basis, on a, on a consistent basis. So it, it, for Auburn, it's going to be just who leaves. You know, you've got two starters who can come back for their fifth year, or they can go on and move and move on to whatever the next chapter of their careers are. Um, you have got a number of guys on your bench who weren't starters this year that might go find starting jobs somewhere else. And then, then you kind of react from there and, and move forward. But, you know, it's it, it just depends on who decides to stay. And I think the fact that Auburn has got has gone after guys like Denver Jones, uh the the kid from the kid from Brown, um there's the the another shooter uh, Valentine from Towson. Um I see another name today uh, that's Quincy Olivari at Rice. Yes. He's from Atlanta. He's a 6'3 guy that's a, close to a 40% and career three-point shooter. And that's that's the type of guys they need. Yeah. They need a little bit dudes with a little bit more length, a little bit more height to them um, that can help them on both ends of the floor, but especially shooting the ball. Because we saw at the end of the year, this team's got potential to shoot the ball pretty well. They need to do it on a more consistent well, they, basis. They, also, they need a better catch and shoot. Guy I was going to say they need a guy, a go-to guy though. Yeah. They need somebody that that everybody on the court and in the building knows he's probably going to get the ball. Um, that that's the threat of doing that. And the interesting thing with this roster is that next season you can you can see a scenario where Aiden Holloway becomes one of your guys, like one of your go-to, just because he's such a gifted scorer, McDonald's All-American, and all that. You can see a scenario where. Chance, a fully healthy Chance Westry can be one of your best players. Mm-hmm. And you can also go into the portal and find one of those guys as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think Denver Jones is a great example of it, a guy who's from Alabama, uh, who started his career at the JUCO ranks. He goes to Florida International, and he's a 20-point-a-game guy this season. There's not very many of those in college basketball. It doesn't matter what level that they're playing on. And he's a, you know, a three-level scorer, creator, and stuff like that. It's just you get that into the mix. You, I think you feel a lot better about your team. G- generally speaking, you've, you've said, I mean, football and basketball, it's, it's really tough to find the highest level of impact player in the transfer portal because everyone's after them, and those guys, you know, g- generally, you know, it's, it's rare for them to switch schools. At the same time, some of the best players in recent memory have been, I mean, Oscar Sheebway started his mm-hmm. career at West Virginia and then made his way to Kentucky, a lot of great players have transferred. Oh and yeah, you can <clears throat> find someone who has a huge. Mar- uh, Look at this, Sears. Mark Sears, yeah, Mark Ricky, Sears. Ricky is, 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 is there a team in the Sweet Sixteen that doesn't have a couple of, of transfers right. playing, what if I, not starting? What I'm a saying lot? is, if if you need a if you need an ace, if you need your best player, 
it can be tough to find right. that in the transfer portal. You might, you know, be better off trying to find, you know, a superstar coming out of high school, which Bruce has had some success with. Yeah, and I and, and I think Aiden Holloway can be one of your guys like that for you. Like, let's go back two years ago. Auburn goes and gets. Walker Kessler from the transfer portal. And Kessler obviously was a star, and everybody knew he was going to be a great player coming in. Um, but he wasn't the best, at least offensive player on the team. That was that was your elite, that was your elite freshman coming in. And you were able to also go pad out your roster with guys that were transfers um as well. And so I mean it's a lot of guards, it's a lot of twos and threes and some guys with some combo guard, like one two ability that you can see that they're going after, but that's not all. Uh the the big dude from Texas, uh from yeah, TCU. I, is, I, I was gonna say I still think Auburn needs somebody who is a defensive, you know, you just who's imposing on defense and just can rebound like crazy. Rim, Doesn't have to a, be a great scorer, but a great rim protector. Right. Yeah. And and Janai Broom, I think, as a shot blocker, people think well, Janiah, Janiah Finch. Janiah does it because of his timing. Yeah. He doesn't do it because he's up above the rim blocking everybody's shots. I, I guess the question is, do you, you know, a, an elite rim protector playing with Janiah Broom, like would that create spacing issues? His shot's getting better, so I mean you're you're getting you know, Well, I think I think if you're if you're looking at somebody to play with like if you're looking for a starter quality player in the front court, that's probably in a scenario where Jalen Williams isn't back next season, you mm-hmm. know, and then it's like I'm, a, I'm thinking somebody that could just come in and when Janai's not in the game, just be a defensive, defensive monster, winner. Yeah. you know. And, and I think they were missing that in the front court from their from their from their backups this season. No, no disrespect to the guys that came out there, but it's just the numbers were not the yeah. same in rebounding and, and and rim protection. I mean, it was it was very different when Broom was not on the floor, and I think it was also very different on offense when Jalen Williams wasn't on the floor. So. Be interesting. The Wofford transfer they reached out to early, uh, the big forward. He cut his list down to to a few, I think, and Auburn's not in that mix for that. So, like, but they are at least reaching out. Like, it's not just oh, we just need to go get shooter, shooter, shooters in the portal. Um, they're 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 looking at getting everybody because I think when you have a season like this for Auburn where you took a step back, you can find and, and you have room. That's the other thing that I think people aren't thinking about as much. Where it's just like. You know they're 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 coming in and they're not necessarily going to be in a situation where you know they have to run people. They're not going to get in a situation like where you've seen now with Musselman a couple times at Arkansas, where it's like, oh, we have too many guys here. Yeah, right it's, now Auburn has one spot for sure. Right now, I mean, yeah, and, um, and you would think and, they would and, have a second one stretch. Open, you would stretch, ex- yeah. yeah. You, so yeah. so it looks easy to go. There's two. There's two right now before it, any real attrition. Right, and so. Now, if you bring a guy in, say you go bring in an, an elite, if you bring in a Denver Jones, you go, you bring in one of those shooters like that. Yeah, it, it, your guards that are currently on the roster, it's going to be like, okay, do I like, do I want to stick it out here and 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 fight for playing time because it's gotten a whole lot tighter in here? Again, Chance Westry, if Chance Westry comes back to Auburn, like that's your that's your move, like like like. You know you, that changes a whole lot of the dynamics for this team. You also have two point guards that you're with right now, Aiden Holloway. Aiden Holloway is a great point guard in the high school ranks, but he's also a dude who can play off the ball for even even at his at, at his small size. So I think um, you know I th- I think the thing for Auburn will be can you get can you get consistent enough uh, uh, you know playing time for all these guys? Can, will all these guys be willing to? Stick it out and fight because you get thirteen scholarships in college basketball, but 
you don't play 13 deep. Um, and so some tough decisions it's, are going to have to be made. It's important for folks to remember, too. Like, I understand there's some Auburn fans that are ready to see you know, a, a change or two on the roster and, and some new players coming in next year. If Auburn retains most or all of the guys who have eligibility next year, they'll go into the SEC as one of the most experienced teams in the league. Maybe sure. the most experienced when you think about what that could entail. And if you add the right pieces yep. to that... I mean, experienced teams can be dangerous, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason as well. So I would, you know, I, I would, I would certainly, um, I would caution against people hoping that Auburn tears it down or restarts. Yeah, the, I, you yeah. know, the, the process, right? Like, we, it, you don't need to go no because again, because again, this was a team top thirty, made the NCAA tournament this year. You know, was a few close losses away from being a whole lot better in the SEC standings. You know, this isn't. A, they were close. This isn't. This isn't like when they had a losing record with Sharif Cooper no. in the COVID year, and and they ended up resetting the roster. This is this is a team that just was agonizingly close to getting over the hump and never did. So you just got to find the pieces to get you over the hump and and, and see moving forward. But also knowing that adding those new pieces that you need could cause roster change in a oh, yeah. no naturally question. just because playing time so hard to hard to spread out in college basketball even for a team like a coach like Bruce Pearl who plays his, plays a deeper bench than pretty much everybody in the country we'll get to our final break of hour number 1 and see we still have a pair of tickets for tomorrow's Auburn Georgia game i think Jeff came by and and uh, well he picked up some prize uh, it was good seeing him uh we we'll get to that final break of hour number 1 stick with us here on the Thursday drive <laughs> Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final segment of hour number one. I'm I'm, going to duck out. Uh, at the at the end of the first hour, got a show to get to. You know, you you can shout out the uh, the group. Well, they they yeah, yeah they ran not? some they ran some advertisements here. I mean, it's one of the uh, um, we, we've been running quite a quite a few of the ads for the impact, the Montgomery Performing Arts Center, and uh, they've they've got the Mavericks there tonight. I, I I have to admit, I didn't realize we had a Thursday through Saturday baseball series when we uh, when we got those, but uh, no, they're they're fun. Saw them on the cruise, and I've seen them a few times. Uh, they, they put on a good show. That'll, that'll be cool. So yeah, you're, you can uh, you're going to check out the Mavericks, and uh, Justin's going to hang out for the five o'clock hour. We'll talk with uh, Justin from the Auburn Observer about everything going on in the world of Auburn athletics. And and uh, and, and I'm sure looking at the uh, the Sweet Sixteen, which gets started in a little over an hour now. Yeah, Justin uh, Justin's beloved uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs still alive, and uh, they'll, they'll face off with my UCLA Bruins. That's a heck of a that's a that's, that's a great matchup. That's great right. matchup. Look, look looking forward to seeing that one. I, I think all of the. Uh, the, the the four games tonight, the you know the, that and, the and of course region, that 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 was the last one. Yeah, the but. west the west region's loaded, and then the east region of Madison Square Garden uh, with, uh, with with Tennessee. Uh, one of the I, I thought Tennessee was one of the most impressive teams of the mm-hmm. first weekend, and I had it's almost them. as if they were a good team this season, and they just had a had some 
bad games. Yeah, had a bad stretch. Because they're college basketball well, players. Yeah. They had a bad stretch at the end and an injury that I think spooked, yeah. including me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Spooked people into thinking, oh, this is But, I mean, was this team. was and they almost- statistically one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college basketball. They've got, they have some NBA guys. Like, it was a good team. They have they have shooting on the outside. Sure. When, when teams try to load it up, I mean, they were able to hit, hit threes over Duke whenever Duke would make a run. I keep saying, and, and I say it enough now that we're probably not going to get it, if Alabama and Tennessee keep winning and we get them in the Final Four, like that would be yeah. just just momentous to get those two because that, that would be the matchup if they both win their regions. And uh, Tennessee, kind of like Auburn in 2019, if Tennessee makes it to the Final Four, I mean, they, they were on the razor's edge in the round of 64 from, from going out of this thing. Blew that lead to Louisiana. It came mm-hmm. down to a one-possession game at the end, and that's you know that can happen, right? Oh, yeah. Chris Jans is... You know, there's two NCAA tournaments. We were saying after the Mississippi State three pointer didn't go in in the uh, in, in the in the round in the first four. There's two three pointers that Chris Jans has that would have given him very if he made him, yeah. very different experiences in the NCAA tournament, and uh, and neither of them go in. Yeah, I, it's it's gonna be a really good weekend. I mean, yeah, weekend once you at least you know, once you count the Elite Eight as well. Um, a really. Really excited for that Arkansas game as well. Just that, I mean, the way Arkansas and UConn, yeah, ought to be a. That's going to be that's one of the most physical games we've <laughs> yeah, ever seen. No kid to start, right? That, that's the that's the six o'clock, I think. Or no, that's uh, yeah, that, that is at six fifteen. Yeah, six fifteen on CBS. So I mean, it's 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 a loaded group of games, and um, K State, Michigan State starts at five thirty. That's right. That's the that's the one that mm-hmm. I thought. For some reason, I thought UConn, but no, that would make sense because they're starting that one out east. So it's uh, yeah, but we'll we'll get great yeah, we'll, season for Kansas State. Mm-hmm. One yeah. of the few Big Twelve teams and, that didn't blow and, it this and year. And Tom Izzo is just always there. Always, yeah. I mean, if Izzo's got a if Izzo's got a competitive team in March, you just got to watch out for him always. Yeah, Keontae Johnson, of course, the the former Gator. Great story there. At Kansas Probably the State. best transfer in college basketball this season, Ooh, I would imagine. Yeah, right, right, right there on the list. I would think. I mean, Mark Mark Sears is having a great year, but not leading a team. Right. I think Keontae Johnson's nearly averaging double double this. Well, year. I mean, he he's a guy that had been you know thought of as a preseason conference player of the year before he had the health issues with the Gators. Well, guys, I'll leave you with it here. Um, so, listening out there, come on in and join in. Hour number two of The Drive is coming up. Your tickets presented by Impact Live. Have a great day. See you later. ESPN 1067. WGZZ HD3 Waverly and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. ESPN has learned LeBron James might be able to play for the Lakers in the last week of the regular season. He's been out for almost a month with a right foot injury. Zion Williamson of the Pelicans is now cleared for on-court activities, but he'll be out at least another two weeks with a right hamstring strain. 
ESPN's Kendrick Perkins believes the Pels should consider trading Williamson. If I'm the Pelicans, at what point do I really sit down at the table and say, is this a guy that I could rely on for my future to have as my franchise superstar guy? And if you're not concerned, then you're lying to yourself. Kendrick Perkins on Fitz and Harry. The Sweet 16 tips off tonight with doubleheaders in New York and Las Vegas. Eleven different conferences are represented in the Sweet 16. The Big East and SEC each have three teams remaining. Michigan freshman guard Jet Howard will enter the NBA draft. He's the son of Wolverines coach Jawan Howard. Kim English will be the new head coach at Providence. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? And one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of the... Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Justin Ferguson hanging out from the Auburn Observer for the rest of the show. Bill Cameron leaving early. He's got a concert to get to. Bill will be back tomorrow. Give us a full recap. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sports, that is the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. You can text the show, 334-564-1840 on the Drive Text Box, presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast, which is available however you listen to podcasts with uh, your uh, favorite podcasting platform or ESPNAU.com, or you can use uh, RadioAlabama.net, all of it presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer in the studio for another hour. Justin spent a lot of spent a lot of the season on the road. So I imagine Justin looking forward to I mean as as much as 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 much as you enjoy the demands of covering a team during the season, I imagine you're okay with a couple of weeks or a couple of months yeah. where you won't be having to plan out the, trips and, yeah. and the everything that goes along. We were talking about this on the way back from Birmingham on Sunday. The next road game that I will be covering is at Cal. Yeah, I was in thinking. football. Um so, yeah, that's going to be fun. Um No, it was a phenomenal year and uh I, I really enjoyed. I know no it wasn't the best of years for Auburn basketball fans compared to the last few, um but I had a blast covering this team coast to coast and looking forward to doing it again next year and obviously with with football um in the new era getting getting going there but yeah it'll be it'll be good trying to get back this week's been odd getting back into a, a routine and a kind of a rhythm and then that'll definitely change once spring football's over but uh it's been fun it's been it's been a lot of fun yeah and and 
this team, I think, deserves the kind of. I mean, it deserves to be chronicled, you know, the, the way that, that you're doing it. And, and not just this team, but this era of Auburn basketball. Yeah. You know, I'm glad that we have you and other really capable people that are yeah. writing about it and, and offering perspective. And not just, you know, here, here's here's last night's game recap sort of perspective, uh-huh. but also like, you know, a lot of sort of yeah. day-to-day. There's several. There are... There, there, there are several really, really good basketball writers here. I say this all the time with all with Auburn fans. It's like I want you to subscribe to the Observer because I think uh, you know I think we we provide something different uh, and, uh, and you know, try to make it worth worth your while. But I, I, Auburn fans in general are just really spoiled. I think when it comes to the amount of people on this beat who do such a really good job. I mean, you've got a you've got a mix of. Uh, you know, up and coming writers on the younger side, a lot of veteran kind of household names that you know know the ins and outs of these programs better than anybody else. But I think also in the variety, like the amount of people who just cover recruiting at Auburn and the talent that they have and the in the depth that they go is is awesome. We're seeing that more in basketball now uh, with, with with Auburn basketball these last few years jumping up. Obviously, all the other sports as well. Um, you know, I only cover football, and men's basketball, but you know, there's 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 a lot, and so it's. Uh, these teams deserve it, especially you know when you look at the amount of success that this this team has had under Bruce Pearl, and to show how crazy it is. Tomorrow we have the the mailbag, and we're in the middle of spring practices and all that in football, and and the majority of the mailbag tomorrow is basketball because that's what people want to talk about right now. And I think that just shows how far this program's come. And, and so much of the questions about football, I feel like, are questions that are impossible to answer right now. Sure. Right, because they could because they're questions that have a an X factor of well, what if someone else joins the position group and right. changes everything we know about that position? So yeah. every football discussion right now, especially at the positions I think people are most interested in, mm-hmm. comes with that caveat of you know here, here's where we stand now, but you know something uh, cataclysmic could happen sure. that changes you know what and I think when you're in a, I think you're in a situation this year where so much of the attention and I think so much of the the talk is around the quarterback spot when you have your head coach on record saying hey we might go get somebody else you know and 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 when you have you freeze sitting here saying you know we're behind where we where we need to be at quarterback and stuff like that. he's been very honest about the position because I think there's just you know there's the there's the X factor, but we don't know who's going to be in the portal. Like we don't know who's going to going to pop up. Like I had somebody ask me today, it was like, "Hey, you know, I know it didn't work out with Grayson McCall. Is there any chance that he graduates or something like that?" It's like I don't know. <laughs> like I have no idea. But like we don't know who the we don't know who's going to pop up in the May portal in the quarterback spot. And then there's the other interesting twist that in May. You can go get more players, but they can't be anybody who's in the SEC unless they're grad transfers, and that's that throws another wrinkle into it. Because I mean, I think I even did it on this show a couple months ago. We were talking about, hey, what about the Georgia? What about whoever leaves the Georgia quarterback battle? Well, that'd have been great to get, but can't get them. Can't get them unless they're grad transfers, and so um, it's just a lot of uh, so much can change for football in the, in the in just a few months. 
especially at some key positions on the field, uh, quarterback and edge rusher being the top two. And even even the three guys that Auburn has right now, Robbie and TJ and Holden, it's not guaranteed. That they all yeah keep going. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, yeah. it's not guaranteed that all three of those guys could even continue. So the, the number could get bigger. The number could get smaller, but you know, so we offer as much. Or the number could stay the same. They or, just are different guys. Absolutely right. So I mean, it's just you know a lot. A lot. So so we were able to talk to some football coaches uh, earlier today, and, and we can run uh, some of that uh, tomorrow or or next week because it was great to talk to uh, Marcus Davis, who is not Marcus Harris. Apparently, I, I yesterday in asking Jeffrey Umbach. Yeah, question, somebody asked about that yesterday. Is that right? That yeah, I, we were like, we were like, I guess he met Marcus Davis. Exactly right. Yeah. No, did I? Now, who did I say? Did I say that the? You I said Marcus, Marcus Harris. I called Marcus Harris a coach, right? Yes. So yeah, I met Marcus Davis in that situation because I was talking about. I, I think I'd asked about Auburn. That's okay. I've had enough. I've heard several people call Jeremy Garrett Justin Garrett. Okay. Which makes sense, right? And and I and then and then we've well and and Bryce Bryce Brown and Bryce Young and I don't think I've ever made that 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 I've, that, that screw up. Have you done that? Yes, I've made. Oh one. wow! Well, hold on. There's Bryce. There's Bryce Brown. There's Bryce Harper and there's Bryce Young. All right, and we, there have been times when Bill sure. would, we'd be talking. There are more Bryces than that, but yeah. But, but there would be times when Bill would be talking about the three of those guys. Bryce Johnson, we, former North Carolina Tar Heel. Sure, and Bryce we, Elder, Br- Bryce, Bryce Farm System, Bryce Hall, right? Is that's a, Bryce Hall? Is it Bryce Hall? Okay, well he's you know, the like, Iowa State running back. That, he's right. with the Jets now. No, he still counts. So so, anyways, uh, so Bryce and DeChambeau. <laughs> Bryce uh, and DeChambeau is there. Absolutely right. So, exiled golfer Bryce and DeChambeau. So he's um, yes from from the Live Tour. So the uh, where were we? When we started talking about Bryce's. Anyways, uh, the. You were talking about how we we talked to Jeremy Garrett and yeah. Marcus Davis today, who are not Justin Garrett and Marcus Harris, who, who are not yeah often confused for other people when when yes. I'm when I'm talking about them. You're no, you're not alone. I will say that you you are not alone on the. You might be alone on the Bryce Brown Bryce Young thing, but it was great to talk to Marcus Davis about you know get get some insight into a position that still feels like very much you know that there's a lot of things oh, yeah. up in the air. Um, he you know he did did you know he's he's someone who. I get the feeling because Bill was talking to uh, Bill, Bill was talking to the defensive line coach while I was talking to uh, Marcus uh, Davis, and I got it right, Mark, Marcus Davis. And as uh, no, and, and he he was like Bill. Bill came up to me afterward and was wondering, well, how did it go? And Marcus Davis seems like the kind of coach that will will give a he'll give an honest assessment of a player when prompted, but he he was not readily volunteering standouts like he was not readily signaling out okay well this player and that player and this player and that player have been leading you know it's, it's more muted. nobody's really doing that right now yeah it's i mean and, and maybe part of the reason is because he's he's telling the truth and and that's you know that's that's his assessment and also i would imagine that he would like to keep the room somewhat hungry and the competition mm-hmm. somewhat you know, whether it's balanced or you know under wraps but it's uh, it was it was great to talk to him about some of the things that he's seeing and and some of the questions we've had about the new additions and and, and who's developing and things like that and and what uh I, I I did not get to hear much of the defensive line conversation I know you were over there uh, with, uh, with with Roberts and uh, was it was it Roberts it was uh, Garrett Garrett it was it was Garrett who was over there and and that's um yeah not we, Marcus Harris and 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 also not Marcus Harris uh, what uh, although Marcus Harris's name probably came up. When you're talking to the defensive line coach about some of the players that that Auburn's got uh, in the mix uh, in in 2023, yeah, it's 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 an interesting 
situation because I think this defensive line has got a lot of talent and they got they got a lot of depth and they're building a lot of depth. That's a group that I think Auburn fans like last season Auburn's defensive line for as much talent as they had the group in general just did not produce you know where you want you did get your numbers from you know uh Colby Wooden and Derek Hall um but you know this is a this is a new defensive front it's a big defensive front you're going to go three down front most of the time with an end a tackle and a nose and I mean there's going to be routinely times on the field where Auburn has three guys that are, if they're not all 300 pounds, they're at least close to it uh, on the field at the same time. And it should be quality depth. So you've got Marcus Harris and Jeffrey Embaugh and uh, Jason Jones and Justin Rogers. You've also got Messiah Nasila Kite, who is, who's gotten a lot of good reviews recently. Lawrence Johnson, the other transfer from, uh, from Purdue. Um, you also have, you know, a, a number of guys that are continuing to try to fight for playing time like that. Zykevius Walker, you know, you have um, you've heard a lot of good stuff early on about a freshman and Wilkie Denod. It's going to be a group that's going to rotate a lot, and it should um, because there's just a number of a number of pieces there. But I do I do find it very interesting today. We talked to Jeffrey Amby yesterday. Really good, really good stuff from him. I wrote uh, today's newsletter about him. Um, Jeremy Garrett saying today that you know he's specifically focusing Embal. He's cross training pretty much everybody. Except for a couple of the noses, pretty much everybody's playing at least two positions because there's a lot of interchangeability up there. But Emba is just an out and out in, which one makes sense because I think that's the best position he's in. Power defensive end, you know, strong side defensive end was where he thrived the most in his little playing time last season. And number two, got to remember this guy is still relatively new to football, and you know, relatively new to a lot of things. So if you can just hone in on one spot and not make him think as much in terms of where he needs to be and how he needs to play it and just let him turn it loose and let it rip, I think that's I think that's where the, the stock for Jeffrey Ambach can, can, can continue to go up this that, year. That's um, It's like a defense picking its spots, right? When you If you're only going to have a couple of 300-plus pounders, you know, utilize them correctly or utilize, you know, if, if you're only going to have – Three down linemen on the field have the three guys be as big yep. as they possibly can. You know, Nick Saban utilized that when he was sort of bringing the three four defense or three four concepts to the SEC when he first got to LSU. You know, people thought, oh, well, he's he's this this guy's too big to be a defensive end. You know, that that's a, that's a nose tackle sized defensive end. It's like that's that's what you need at at those positions if you're going to be light and fast everywhere else on the field. And that's uh, uh yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Jeffrey Imbaugh as a as a 310 pound defensive end, Justin Rogers and Marcus Harris potentially, you know, in 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 the in other spots there on the on the line. I I really want to see what this looks like once once we get a uh, a good look at it at a day, which is coming up in what are we a couple weeks from two weeks from two, sa- two, two weeks from Saturday two weeks from Saturday Auburn spring game and then uh, and then and then the countdown is on until Auburn uh, takes the field in uh, September 334-321-1390 the number to dial we're talking with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer don't go anywhere you are listening to the drive let's get back to the drive the Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. 
hour number two of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer hanging out with us here on the uh, on, on the, the, the first Thursday really since Auburn's basketball season came to an end this weekend. First off-season Thursday for, uh, for, for Justin since... You got to go back to like August, right? In between football and, uh, yeah. and and men's basketball season starting up. You know, in the, in the last segment, we were talking about the different football players that have options. You know, especially in the quarterback room, and and different outcomes based on what they decide to do. In our conversation in the last hour about the men's basketball team, I, I think it's something similar where everybody looks at. The upperclassmen, you know, what what's an Alan Flanagan or a Wendell Green or a Janai Broom or a Jalen Williams going to do? But we're seeing a lot of movement in college basketball. I mean, think about Walker Kessler, right? Sometimes your freshman season doesn't oh, yeah. go doesn't go yeah. the way you thought. It's a lot of those. I mean, Kate, Katie Johnson spent yeah, one Auburn. year one year at Georgia, right? Yeah, and then made and then made a move. Well, we talked about Davion Mitchell leaving uh, Auburn. Uh, after one season, I mean, one of the guys Auburn reached out to in the portal um, early on was Amari Abram, who just spent one year at Ole Miss. So I mean, it's it's you you can get guys that are in their the the twilight of their careers. They're coming on their COVID years, their fourth years, their you know of eligibility or something like that. But you also get dudes who just look around and say, you know what, I'm not going to have that option here, and and I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, are there are there rumblings of with Auburn's three freshmen from last year, Trey, Chance, and Johan? I think all three of them. You know, you wonder if they saw the court as much as they thought they would, right? I mean, I guess well, that for would Chance, be Chance had extenuating circumstances, obviously with with the knee and them redshirting him. I did talk to Chance and you know, at I, mean, I thought of Trey as well, but Trey was playing. Um, you know, in 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 Birmingham and. You know, both Chance and Yo said the plan is for them to stay. You know, they're looking forward to next season and all that. But with the way the roster looks, with the, with the movements to make, everyone's going to have to sit. Like, that's one of those things, especially with basketball, since it's such a tight, since there's only so many players that you have on a team, I think everybody can look once moves are made or starting to be made, you can look around and say, okay, here's where I sit in terms of playing time right now. Here's what I'm going to have to fight to get this year. Here's who I would have to beat to get to the playing time I think I, I want. Or here's where I could go X, Y, and Z and get more playing time, and we know that. So, like, I think everybody on this Auburn team is going to look in the mirror and, and, and say that. And then for some guys, the professional ranks are an even bigger factor of that, whether it is going out and trying to go and play in the NBA or going on and, and, and moving on to a career and potentially overseas or maybe the G League or something like that. That's... Yeah, I think everybody on this Auburn roster is going to have to sit and make that decision, whether you are one of the three freshmen or you are the two guys who could come back for COVID years. Like, I think everyone's going to have to evaluate, and that's what makes it so interesting because there's so many different moving parts here, but it's so tight. It's not like a football roster where it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, we'll play this many guys. We're going to play this many linebackers. We're going to play this many defensive backs this year. We know I'm going to I'm going to fit into this and this and this. And I know my scholarship's going to be good. That's Although, not not, know, not always the case in basketball. With Bruce's style, though, I mean, it does lend itself to a larger rotation, and and that's yeah to the fact that they'll play ten or eleven guys, right? But so, and, and trying to and trying to get and one of the challenges I think is trying to find eleven guys that buy into 
you know, you're I mean, not you're not playing 35, 37 most likely. And, Jabari, uh, you know, played played right around 35 minutes a game if memory serves in conference yeah. play. But you but, got you also got to look for Auburn. This this time last year, they went after guys in the transfer portal. They went after bigger guys, shooters in the portal. Eric Stevenson was one of the big ones. They weren't able to get them, and Bruce Pearl's openly thought about it. They weren't able to get some of these guys in both recruiting the transfer portal and the high school ranks because Auburn's not going to go in and tell you, hey, you're going to be the dude. Like, you're going to be a guy who plays 35 or 36 minutes. No, they play a deep bench. They lean on their depth. And it, when it works, it really, really works for Auburn, and it's one of their biggest factors, and it's one of their key reasons. I think, I think it was key reason why they beat Iowa is that they had uh, had a deeper bench and was able to lean on it uh, in the NCAA tournament. But it's also a situation where you may miss out on guys because you lo- they look at you and say, "Yeah, you know, you may want to go play thirty five and thirty six minutes somewhere. It's not going to be here. That's just not the way we roll." Um, so point, you have to find the ones is, who are ready for that. Point guard is such a you know that that's that's where I think we're gonna. I mean, and, and we, were, we were talking about during the commercial break. I asked Bill earlier in the week a question, and, and I, you know, I'll, I'll give you the chance to answer it on the air. I mean, Auburn would. I mean, I think people would love to go into a situation where you have options like Wendell Green and Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway at point guard. Yep. You, you, you know, I, I get the sense you don't think that Auburn's going to have all three uh, of those I'll put, I'll put, I'll, I'll put it this way. You've got, right now, you've got Wendell Green Jr., Trey Donaldson, Chance Westry, and KD Johnson coming back for you next year at the guard spot. Unless Chance Westry bulks up, and, he, and he's been bulking, if he bulks up and plays the three in a situation where you don't have Alan Flanagan next year or that, that's the position you'd rather play him next year, let's, but let's, let's say that you've got, Again, Wendell, Trey, Chance, um, Katie, and uh, Aiden Holloway as your guards. That's five guards for two spots. Forty, you know, forty minutes in each game. So that's eighty minutes among five guys. You can you can do the math there. Like people are going to get limited playing time, right? If you divided it up all evenly, you know that's yeah, that's what. Sixteen minutes a game. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's just did that one off the top of my head, Drew. I was I was trying to do I was I, I started at fourteen and started working my way up. So oh yeah, boy. So, but yeah, exactly. Like you know that, that that is tough. And even if you want to spread it to okay, well, Chance Westry's a three, and so is uh, Alan Flanagan. All right, now you're got now you're up here's to seven guys for you know you're up to seven guys for one hundred and twenty minutes. Here's, here's the other thing that is going to be factoring in, and maybe maybe it's maybe it's them, maybe it's people close to them that'll be keeping this in mind. It's hard to make a case that you're a professional athlete on 16 minutes a game. Oh yeah, like it's it's hard. Yeah. Like it, it's hard to make the case that mm-hmm. you belong in. You know, even if there are 16 really it's good, hard minutes. to be draftable. Yeah, I mean, it, it, or even, I mean, it it makes it harder. You know, if you're going to try to play overseas or something, you know, something else outside of you the could, NBA. Uh, so. If you're if you're a certain size and a certain shooting ability, you can always get minutes. It's like That's true. A Horace Spencer playing playing overseas. This Absolutely. is a guy who never played heavy minutes at Auburn, but found 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 a role. But Everybody if, can find a role. If you're back at college basketball to increase your profile and make yep. a better case, that you know, I I yep. could see why. As much as Bruce would like to have depth, and as the the, the system is a better system when you can sub out mm-hmm. the fatigued players for fresh substitutions. Sure, but that's a you know it's, it's selling that to. High level, the, the highest Wait, level players. Think about it, think about it this way: Auburn played too deep pretty much most of the season. If mm-hmm. you go with a if you go with an even split for everybody, that's twenty minutes each for yeah. everyone. And like that's obviously you're going to counter and move with that, but that means 
Anybody who gets more, that means that's that's taking away from just playing twenty minutes, which is not a ton for 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 a college basketball team, right? And that, and we see mid May. I mean, that's that's the Troy women's system to 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 an extent. Is that you know if you're if you're going to press and you're going to play oh, yeah. as up tempo as you can, you know you need to have a a nine or ten person rotation so that you can always. You know, have a have a backup, and and the minutes might need to be you know the, the backups being pretty close in ability to the starters is is a key part of that too because you don't want a huge drop off if you're playing one player twenty minutes and another player twenty minutes you don't and want there to be a massive drop off between the two of them and it's good to have role players and every team needs them like every team needs to have somebody like a Zip Jasper who is fine not playing playing twenty minutes every night but he's going to do something for you like, that's a hard that's a harder sell when you're trying to win a major conference title like that that's that's to to do that. In a mid-major to do that? No, no, no I'm that? just saying every team's going to have to have a guy or guys who only play 10 or 15 minutes. Every team's going to need that. But it's harder to sell that to a kid, especially if you're recruiting at a high level and you're also recruiting the transfer portal. Like Chris Moore, we can look at Chris Moore and say, man, glue guy, hustle guy, does all the – not a guy to at this point in his career – a high volume scorer or not a guy that you're sitting here saying, that's a dude you're giving 30 minutes every every night – but a guy that you want to have on your team to fill in and, and, and do a lot of the dirty work for you, play him 10, 15 minutes a night, maybe a little bit more. Look, look up at like the definition at this, this, this shows you how crazy, crazy this is. The definition of a glue guy, a, a put it all, you know, go out and do the dirty work for us guy. Chris Moore was a four star recruit in high school. Like Chris Moore was one of the best players in the state of Arkansas coming out of high school. Alan Flanagan will point out to you that Chris Moore got an offer from Arkansas and he didn't. Like that's how good Chris Moore was in high school. And so it's just like when you're recruiting at a really, really high level, it is harder to tell kids to take that because there are three hundred and sixty three Division One basketball teams. Someone will give you a starting job somewhere. And usually it won't be that far away. And oftentimes it won't necessarily be, oh, you got to go play at, no disrespect to him, but, oh, you got to go play at Stetson or you have to go play at, you know, Jacksonville State. No, you, you, you might be able to find a really good playing time playing at like Georgia Tech, which like a guy like Javon Franklin did. Or, or Devin Cambridge. Find, Devin Cambridge. Finding his way to Arizona State. You know, play, playing play nearly 30 minutes a night for Arizona State yeah. on a team that made the NCAA tournament. Right, so, and that, and that's in a power where, conference. That, that makes the challenge you know, that, that much uh, more, more peculiar for Bruce, and we'll see what he can do as he tries to shape this roster. More drive coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Stick around. Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com.
back. Welcome back. Final half hour or so of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer hanging out as well on a busy Thursday afternoon. It's a, it's a quiet time for Ferguson because the... Uh, you know, the, the, we, it's his, it's his first off season in like you know several months, or the, the, or the off season is here finally after a a long stretch. S- basketball season is not over nationally. In fact, we got the Sweet Sixteen starting tonight. Kansas State has tipped right off against Michigan State in the first of two games in the East. Kansas, Kansas State wearing their lavender. Uh, uniforms, the, the 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 light purple accent ones. Oh, is that right? Those, yeah. those aren't those aren't whites. Those are super light lavenders. I like that. So, uh, so it's like if they do a zoom in, you'll see it. it'll be the dark purple around like the lavender nice. purple. Okay. They they have a lavender uni that's really good, but they have a darker like a they have like a, a road lavender. Yeah, like it's it's a, it's a it's but it's such a good look. I mean, Kansas State. I don't know how they could pull that off in 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 football. But after looking at it enough during basketball season this year, I'm like, they need to find a way to do that. Because cause their football uniforms are very – they have that – silver is their big color in, in, in football yeah. with, the, with the helmet and the, and the pants. I just – they can figure out a way to throw that in with the, with the football uniforms. I think it, that'd be kind of cool. It comes – it's a little more clear when TV gets uh, closer to the, uh, to the uniform. Desi Sills, by the way, out there. Yeah. For one, one-time Auburn commit Desi Sills playing big minutes for, uh, for Kansas State of late uh, in the, uh, the backcourt. The – uh, the Trojans uh, this year, uh, Tro- Troy Women used. Uh, they they usually played in a dark gray or a mm-hmm. silver yeah. home uniform, which I thought you know owner Troy's, you know, Troy's done a lot of that over yeah, the years. Well, the gray. well, they just they're not crazy about their this this year's team wasn't crazy about the white uniform options. I think, and so they you know that 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 could change. But I got the feeling, and no one no one told me that. But I got I got the sense that it was more about like you know they, they just for fashion reasons they like the they like the look of the gray and the, and the silver. But it uh, it was you know it struck me as kind of dark for a, for a home uniform. I'm a purist in that regard. You know, I want wear white, wear white at home, white or something. You know, some, something as close to white as possible. But we've seen some, uh, uh, yeah, some some cool uniform combinations. I like it. I, I, I like it when in, Auburn men's basketball or both Auburn basketball teams wear orange at home. I think that's a cool, yeah. Because you can usually wear a dark. The other team usually wear a dark uniform to to, to counterbalance it. I kind of wish people wore. I, I kind of wish it were backwards and, and the home team wore dark in uh, in basketball. Like it is in football? Yeah. I kind of think you should wear your color and the other team should wear like a neutral lighter color, lighter color. But I, I, I like the... So I'm a so I'm a I'm of the opinion like in baseball, you know, you wear white at, white at home baseball or you wear like an alternate, but you wear white pants. I don't like gray uniforms that much. I think only a few teams do it well because I think gray can look kind of bad on a lot of stuff. Like, and it depends on the colors. Like I like the Chicago White Sox have an incredible... Road set because it's it's easy it's black and white but I just don't some of the teams some teams don't really pull it off it can, I, I know what you mean but that's the uh, and and so, you know and, and if you have silver in the color scheme it you know makes it a little bit mm-hmm. you know, yeah. a little bit a little bit more logical, or but. or in baseball if you if you can pull it off just wear just wear the old powder blue everybody wear wear, wear the top to bottom if, powder blue if you have a look if you have a blue anywhere in your color scheme you, you're allowed to have a powder blue alternate and I think if you have a red. Anywhere in your color scheme, I'm okay with a pink alternate. I'm okay with. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm okay if you got red anywhere. I think that I think that a that, that doing something with with the hot. I, pink I've always is, liked. I've always liked the powder blue, baby blue with Auburn's navy and white. Like the baseball team yeah. will wear it from time to time. Um, used to see a lot of shirts that would explore that color scheme. I don't, I don't know if they still do. Yeah, that I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how this. 
this was, but like um, I used to remember growing up at least the sports medicine staff on the sidelines at Auburn always had a baby blue hat on, like Dr. Andrews and them like that, so you could like signify them on the sidelines. I, I gonna, always thought that would look really, really good. I thought you were going to say growing up at least Auburn had like bookstores that sold that sold merchandise like that. And... Got one! <laughs> shout out to hey, shout out to those bookstore folks, right? They were Absolutely. Always, they were always very cool. Um, the... Uh, what, what do you think of this tournament? So you know, so far, what, yeah. six, sixteen teams left. Uh, I think I think the two best teams in college basketball from beginning to end are still in it, which is which makes sense to me in Alabama, Houston, and Houston, Houston and Alabama. Um, Purdue. The more you look back at Purdue this year, the more you were like, yeah, we should have seen this. Go. Maybe not losing to a sixteen seed, but like getting bounced early. I think Kansas. You can look at Kansas more of like, okay, they ran like Arkansas, deeply underseeded for their talent level. Um, Probably where they should have been based on their resume. Yeah, absolutely, where they should have been but, on their resume. But a team but that like, underachieved based on at their full level. strength. Good grief, they were so good. Purdue, there was a crazy stat this year that somebody redug up after the FDU game, which was Purdue got a number one at one point this year, and then lost two games in the same week. Lost both their games in the week. Two unranked opponents, and the stat that someone dug up was. That had only happened four times before in the history of of um, the the poll in college basketball. They where had it, awful losses for a one seed, right? Like where, that was yeah. one of the things that people, you know, when when the seeding was where revealed. a number one team, a, a, a number one team in the country, losing two games in the same week, losing back to back games to unranked opponents. Um, that had only happened four times ever. The fun stat was the. Th- the, of those four previous times, three of those four teams didn't get out of the first round of the NCAA tournament. And Purdue was in that situation, and it was like, well, okay, but Purdue's playing a 16 seed. They still got the one seed, and lo and behold, they knocked off. It's one of those like really weird power stats that you're just like, wow, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, you always, you always, you know, try to look at the one seeds when you fill out your bracket and you think, oh, well, you know, and that, that Purdue, now I didn't know about FDU, but like the FAU Memphis winner, to to me, it was like that feels like a pick 'em. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I mean, I, I had Memphis. They, they were second. definitely the they were definitely the one seed that you felt like had, or was on the shakiest ground heading into the, you know usually I don't want to say usually, but you know most of the time there isn't a, a one seed doesn't get out of the first weekend. There's just usually at least one or at least they flirt with not getting out. And you got it's two. Been, this I think year. it's been a while since we've had four one seeds in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, like I think I think it's been it's been several tournaments now since we've had like all four. Maybe it's and maybe so, it's happened once in the last. And Purdue was just the shakiest one. I wasn't crazy about Kansas this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they. I, think, I wasn't crazy about the Arkansas matchup. Like I was. Yeah, I was thinking, exactly. Ooh, that's it. Well, and the thing with Kansas is like the Big Twelve was awesome this year, but it was like it was kind of a self fulfilling thing where it was like. Oh, Kansas should be a one seed because look at their resume. It's because they play a bunch of Big Twelve teams. Well, why are all the Big Twelve teams all quad one games? Because they're playing each other, right? So it's just like none of the losses in the Big like once once we established in conference play that like everybody in the Big Twelve was awesome according to the metrics. Well, it was a case where it was like even if you were playing on the road at Oklahoma, who came in last in the Big Twelve this year, that was still going to be a quad one game, and so it just kind of pumped everybody up. And, and the it was, conference, I don't want to say it was artificial, but it did. It did look a little funny later on. It's not. It's not artificial because the conference did well at a conference, right? I mean, they it, did in, well out of the conference. First, the first, but six, they go into the tournament and right. they only get two of their teams out. Well, and and out of conference play is the first six eight weeks of the season. Things can change between the beginning of the season and now. The Big Twelve also did well in the in the Big Twelve SEC showdown back sure. in January, which boosted some of the numbers. And, but you're right. 
and there's no shame. And there's no shame in Kansas losing to Arkansas. Well, the, that's the other little thing. tougher for Creighton to beat Baylor. The but other, the other thing to remember though is how your conference does is not you, no. right? Like I mean that that people think you know going into bowl and how, season and like, how and how a conference does in the tournament doesn't mean they're not as good, right? You know, but I do think I do. I will say it doesn't say oh the Big Twelve was overrated or anything like that. I do think though. I think they might have been a little inflated this year, just because the amount of teams that got into the tournament and it just wasn't. They ran into like Iowa State get, losing the way they did. Right, like that felt like when Iowa State was going to draw the winner of that Pitt Mississippi State matchup. That was one where I had that pick before we even got to that game where I was just like, hey, that team's beating Iowa State. Because they were just such a weird team this year, but they were still a 60 because, again, their resume was so boosted by the fact that, like, the fact that Oklahoma State was one of the last teams out of, for, for making the tournament with a not great resume was just more of a fact of, like, oh, look at the league. Look how good, you know, look how good the Big 12 was this year. I, I am, you know, I, I only picked about three of the Sweet 16 correctly in my bracket. But the three I got, I've got going to the Final Four. There you go. Alabama, Houston, and UCLA. So I'm going to ride with those three. I, I, I do, even if I were reseeding and I were picking, I, I do still yeah. think I would like those three teams. Houston, Texas, if those two teams face off in Kansas City. Oh, man, that'd that, be fun. That, that could be a really good game if we get that one this weekend. Um, I, I think that if... Uh, uh, whatever happens with UCLA Gonzaga, I think the winner. I think the winner of UCLA Gonzaga's got a good chance of winning it all. I think I, so too. But but the Arkansas UConn winner is yeah. is going to have a, a say in that as well. And yep. you know this weekend in Vegas, I, I think the winner of that region could be and it w- probably won't be the. I think favorite Jay Wright if, said that the other day, where he's like, I think the winner of that region wins the wins the national title. I mean, the winner of that region could go could could go pretty far. Um and so that would um, Alabama to me and none of them are the one seed. I would be I <laughs> would be surprised. I'd be surprised if Alabama didn't. Uh, win, San Diego win State's going to give them a game. San Diego but... State is is a team that could if they can lure Alabama into that style. Yeah. And, and play a, a really deliberate basketball game. And if Alabama Bama has struggle. one of their games where they're not hitting shots. But if Alabama, I mean, Alabama could turn that into the Maryland game. You know, yes. if, they, if they play their style, like they, yep. they could, they, yep. they could, you know, it could be no. Yeah, because, nothing. The, I, the I floodgates open for Alabama this, this first weekend. Player for player, I don't know how much better San Diego State is than Maryland. But. True. And, and Alabama just dispatched. But stylistically, but stylistically and just, they, they. I mean, San Diego State's defense is yes, just they can monstrous. Force, they, if, they, if they can, if they can, mm-hmm. you know, bend Alabama to the, to the and the Mountain West the and the Mountain West to their credit, the Mountain West is a good conference. They're not the Big Ten, but Mountain and, West, Mountain West was a good league this year. And tonight, I mean, the winner of this Kansas State Michigan State game against the winner of Tennessee FAU will be interesting on Saturday in uh, in, in Madison Square Garden. I, I like this. I, I have been Tennessee is on the short list to me of the teams that had the most impressive yep. four, first four days in the tournament of just about anybody. They, I mean, they, but that's because they beat Duke. They did, and as a, that, a that, that Louisiana as, game was iffy. Yeah, no, the Louisiana game was really impressive for thirty minutes, and then Louisiana went on the eighteen zero run. I, I was very impressed with Kansas State first yeah. and, I, and I've been all year. Too. We talk about the Big Twelve. I mean, Texas getting out and the and Kansas State. Kansas State's been good all year. I mean, they they might not have always been like super consistent, but they are a good basketball team. You know what? And if and, if, and Jerome Tang's a great coach. And and it's what's crazy is if they weren't a 15 seed named Princeton, Princeton would have a, a really. Yes. I mean, that those are two shocking wins, and they didn't they didn't seem like 
they didn't feel like flukes. Like what they did to Arizona was they played a close basketball game, and Arizona at the end, the the, the most unselfish team oriented offense in the country turned into a bunch of guys trying to play one-on-one because it was an Ivy League school and Arizona had a, a bunch of terrible possessions there at the end yeah. and, and, and Princeton won the game. And then Missouri, uh, I mean, that Missouri was... Missouri is so bad on defense yeah, that they I mean, just... Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm rooting for this Princeton thing. I, I don't know if it... You know, the bubble's probably going to burst uh, tomorrow. They're a big underdog to Creighton. Uh, but yeah. but maybe not. I mean, they they were a big underdog to Arizona, and they were a big underdog to Missouri too. So may, maybe we'll like, see if they can uh, if they can keep this rolling. I feel like talent wise and system wise, Princeton was closer to a thirteen than a fifteen this year. And I think if they were a thirteen seed, we'd be looking at them in the Sweet Sixteen. Like, oh yeah, man, like that that's a that was a scary upset team. You know, got hot at the right time. Instead, they were a fifteen seed because it's the Ivy League. Right, you know, wasn't like they were, wasn't like they were coming out of the, the the valley or something like that. A 15 seed against the two seed that had the best odds to win the national championship of any of the two seeds when the tournament started. Yes. I mean, Arizona was a team that a lot of people had become sold on in the last month. And month I and, a half. and I would have and I coming in would have would have had it on Marquette. Yeah, and who, who, also, is, who also found their way yeah, out of the. I had Marquette. I had Marquette in the final four. Yep. I, I love the way Marquette played this year. Love that team, and didn't work out. And and Shaka Smart with a, with a tournament track record, still, yeah, still didn't still didn't work out. I mean, a lot of it a lot of it comes down to uh, to matchups, matchups, and and making shots. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. We will be back for the final segment of the show. Dan Peck, Justin Ferguson in the studio. Drew at the controls. Stick around. This is the drive. The drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Final segment of the Thursday edition of The Drive. Fun show, as always, with Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer in the house. And uh, uh, Justin, let everyone know about everything that you and the rest of the gang have going on at Observer HQ. Yeah, you can uh, check out auburnobserver.com. We've got a lot of newsletters this week on spring football. Um, Tomorrow's mailbag is very heavy on basketball, so a lot of talk about the future roster management, stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff in there. We're going to also have a podcast as well. Painter and I are going to talk some some football and basketball uh, upcoming. Uh, we're going to record that pretty soon after after this gets done. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll be back on the grind with spring football next week. Uh, and it's a lot of stuff. And so right now we're still running our special. You can get $40 for your first year at the Observer if you go to auburnobserver.com. It's usually $60. Uh, and a monthly deal is six dollars a month, so tells you you can save a good bit of change if you if you go ahead and sign up um, between now and the end of eight day weekend. And uh, forty dollars will get you all of football season this year, pretty much all of basketball season next year. Everything we do, it gets emailed to you. So once you're subscribed, you don't have to go to another website, you don't have to do anything of that. We email every every newsletter, every podcast. So a whole lot of stuff on Auburn football and men's basketball at auburnobserver.com. You got to get like a venue or a restaurant or something to do like uh, like a host a Q and A. You know what I mean? Like like when the you know like when it's a, like WrestleCon weekend or something. Yeah, you do a pre A day observer Q and A somewhere for some. We've of the, we've uh, talked about doing like 
maybe a live podcast. So it, it it is kind of tougher though with Painter not living here anymore. Um, it, it makes it makes it a little tougher to pull right, all, pull pull that no, off. But. No, no, Painter is Painter is still alive. That's yeah. Um, but, I was the one who was killed off in Canon on the. On the on the show back in the day, right? The memorial it was the Dan Peck Memorial. Yes, uh, yeah, you yeah you died every day. <laughs> like, it's kind of like Kenny like, on like South Kenny, Park. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was wonderful. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we've got we've got a lot of stuff and um, going on. Off season will be fun. Uh, we've got a couple of things in the work on the po- works on the podcast side uh, that I think people are going to want to want to um, keep an eye on. Um, interesting developments. Yeah, and interesting developments. So you know we're we're. Uh, we're working on that, and uh, yeah, we've got we've got a ton of stuff, newsletters. So if you want in-depth um, analysis of Auburn football, men's basketball, uh, and a lot of stuff that hopefully you can't get anywhere else. Um, like I said earlier, this Auburn beat is very, very good, and, and a lot of people deserve your time, attention, and money. But AuburnObserver.com, check it out. We email everything. Absolutely, and yeah, a lot, lot of a uh, lot of cool stuff going on uh, this weekend. Not just home baseball and the NCAA tournament continuing. We've got a, a fantasy baseball draft that we alluded to a little bit earlier. We're excited about succession returns Sessions on back. Sunday yeah. night. Final season of the HBO series uh, Succession. We're both uh, we're both we're both big fans. Of. Is it Mania is not this weekend, right? That's Mania is next weekend. Next weekend. Right now, if you had to put it goes it goes Mania is the same weekend as the Final Four. It's the Sunday between, yeah. They they usually oh, are they doing, back, are they not doing two nights? They again are doing sh- two nights. Mania used to be the Sunday between the final four and the championship, but now I guess the they two night thing's that. dumb. At least I mean, New Japan figured out that the two night Wrestle Kingdom wasn't the way to go anymore. It's a money grab. Yeah, right? it, they figure they can sell twice as many tickets or whatever. I but. do have, I, and then the next week, obviously Auburn's A Day, but also the Masters weekend as well. Um, is, Cody, so. is Cody winning? I mean, you you would know better than I do. I, I don't. Got, I don't to. pay he's attention, to, right? He's got to. Either that or either that or it's just Roman forever. Right. I guess we're not supposed. We're yeah. We're, <laughs> I will say that's our allotted thirty seconds of pro wrestling. Right, talk. right, right. <laughs> um, I, I yeah. And while we were recording, uh, while we were doing the show today, uh, the the CM Punk uh, return uh, got a <laughs> whole you, got a whole blown into do, it. Do you do you remember? Um, Oh man, we 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 did was, the whole segment one time oh, on Wrestle Kingdom. And there was there was anger. There was palpable. I, w- I remember getting. I appeared on on Justin's show, and we did a segment talking about. I don't even think it was Wrestle Kingdom. I think it was like their first show in front of fans. You know, post New Japan Cup or something. It was it was yeah. a big, big Japanese maybe uh, G One yeah yeah it was a Dominion maybe it was, it was post, yeah. post Dominion or something. It was a big Japanese wrestling show, and I I watched it and we Look, talked man. about it for a segment and people. Were we're we so did. Angry. We did worse. We did worse segments on worse things. I'll, I'll yeah. tell you that one. I will say this: Succession, real quick. Best HBO show since when? You know, I was a Sopranos guy for the longest time, right? And was was a late was a late adapter of The Wire. Mm-hmm. Which I go to war for now is the best thing that's ever been on TV. Like I, the first and and the 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 fourth and fifth seasons aren't as much fun. Uh, it gets really grim and bleak. But the first three seasons of The Wire are about as good as TV's ever gotten. And Succession is you know it's been a while since I've been hooked on something. I mean Eastbound's great. You know some of the the you know and, and I wasn't a Game of Thrones guy. So like if some people want to say you know Game uh, of Thrones my is my answer. thing is I think I think Succession is my favorite HBO show since Veep. There you go. I think Veep was the was the run I, there. I'm a, also The yeah. Last of Us was incredible. Yeah, it's it's every every nothing but uh, positive stuff about The Last of Us, which I, yeah. I will I think I will binge 
all at once. Oh, because yeah. I didn't. It'll I be didn't great. It'll be great to binge for yeah, sure. I think I'll, I'll, I'll binge it all at once. Probably going to do another season, right? They'll, they'll, they'll bring. Yes, that one. they already do. They're, they are going to do another season, which Aub- looks like it's going to make the second game. AuburnObserver.com. Yep, check Aub- it out. AuburnObserver.com, where you can find Justin's work. Uh, he's he's on all the social media platforms as well. We will be back tomorrow with more drive.